Welcome to Running Is Bullshit. I'm Amy. And I'm Stuart, and you're listening to the podcast that loves to hate running. And coming up in this episode, we speak to Kate McKenzie, the founder of kit manufacturer Harrier, as well as whining about Strava, a race that Amy didn't do, death by treadmill, and Ramadan. Just a standard list of things there for us to talk about. Very interesting, very eclectic list. <laughs> yeah, death by treadmill is uh, darker than it sounds. Mm. Um Something I want to talk about straight away. Let's get straight into running content just to make a change. Um, so the UK is opening up more. The weather has been pretty glorious recently. It's not been warm, but it's been sunny and dry, which has been amazing. And I've noticed on Strava there have been a lot more activities tagged as hikes. And I'm not exactly sure when a walk becomes a hike. And I think some people have to get over themselves. Because hiking is walking. I'm guilty of that, but I think that's because on my watch, that's oh, the only option. Oh, are option. you? Oh, I didn't notice yes, that. Yes, this is what... Were well, you one of those people? Goodness. I know this is a very passive-aggressive, <laughs> or just aggressive, not even passive, <laughs> dig at me, because you left a comment similar to this on my Strava. So, um, <laughs> that was just... No, I think that what cued me off. I was just like, that was just a walk. Why is that a hike? I don't think I have the option to put walk on my on my watch. I think I have to put hike. I think you can edit those options and you can choose which options you have on your watch. I'm oh, reasonably you, you, sure. You think I can be asked to do that? Anyway, I, I would argue that it was a hike because there was a substantial elevation involved and I breathed quite heavily during some of it. But that's the point I was just trying to think of then. Like, at what point is walking hiking? Because a hike, basically, I, I kind of looked at a few definitions and basically it's just kind of a long walk. I know it's it's... Um, in the country and might be kind of more difficult terrain but you're still walking like if you run if you run 400 meters on a track you you've tag it as running if you run a fell race it's a run if you run an ultra it's a run walking is just walking hiking is a pretentious walk i think it's quite american isn't it going on a hike i think that's a very american thing yeah that's another thing i noticed on when in my research Uh, it seems to be a slightly more american thing but it's still just walking, and I don't really see the point of tagging things as hikes on Strava. Because for me, um, I want my data on Strava to be nice and neat. So I want um, cycling, running, walking. I don't want hiking. I don't want to bring in all these other things into it. Because when I kind of put it on other things, I look at my data on VeloViewer. I just want to tick running and walking. I don't want to have to tick other things. It's messy. The thing is, I don't track walking because i don't really see that as a workout like a walk for me is just walking the dogs over the park or something whereas a hike is fairly substantial mileage and might involve some elevation and you know it's more of a workout that's why i draw the line i think a hike has to involve lunch Mm. so excuse me i had that one i put on strava i stopped for lunch i didn't pause my watch either that's that's good yeah I i think a hike should involve carrying food and eating it during the course of it because it's such a long one but it's still walking though isn't it it's walking yeah but it's in a hiking fashion and you might wear hiking boots i didn't but you might wear hiking boots and eat what are they called kendall cakes is that what they're called those oh like kendall mint cake yeah oh, yeah just I a mean, big packet of sugar i didn't do any of that i wore some old running shoes and i just bought three like uh freshly baked loaves of bread like not loaves but like bread bun things from nice. morrison so that was my hiking you. <laughs> well, that's pretty good. See, I did a big walk the other day. It was 10 miles. It was 500 meters of elevation. Uh, it was ri- ridiculous terrain. Like some of the paths we took were really stupid. You couldn't see them. I still marked it as a walk because I just don't see the point of a hike. 
And there was, I saw other people out there on their kind of big hikes and that they had all the boots, they had massive bags on and stuff, but they'd started at 11 o'clock. And I'm like, why are you starting a, a big hike at 11 o'clock? That's a ridiculous time to start. It is a weird time to start. Well, you said a big walk. You could just say a hike. That's what hike means, doesn't it? A big walk. <laughs> yeah, but what, a long run is still a run. Yeah, I guess A short so. run is a run. Yeah. At uh, the risk of going round and round in circles, uh, let's just say I don't see the point of hiking on Strava. Get over it. <laughs> and if you haven't already, please watch Lighthouse in the Dark from two-time guest Rhys Jenkins about his epic FKT around the entire coast of Wales. You can check this episode on our website or our social media for the link, or just search for it on YouTube. It's not hard. Lighthouse in the Dark, Rhys Jenkins, a little documentary all about his wonderful three weeks he had running around the coast. I watched it, um, it was either last night or the night before, and it was really, really good. The only thing was, the music terrified Pippin. Like, terrified her. <laughs> really? We had to keep muting it, because for some reason, there was something about the tone of it, because if you listen to it, it's quite a... I don't know how you describe it, but it's... It, it's just it's, very dramatic, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, very dramatic music, but it's got quite electronic, sort of buzzy um, sort of tone to it, and she mm. hated it. She was sat on the mm. sofa shivering and intensely watching the TV. It terrified her. So, yeah, oh. if, you ha- if you have a particularly sensitive dog, then uh, maybe mute it. Even if I turned the volume down, she still hated it. I had to mute most of perhaps, it. Perhaps I have to ask them to put a dog warning on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was very, very good. Very, As I said, very serious. We kind of hoped there'd be a bit more of a meltdown on there. He did have a little strop on there at one point, which was very funny. <laughs> and we kind of hoped there'd be a bit more drama like that. But it was really lovely, especially like all the ending. It's quite an emotional finish to it as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, to go back to the last episode, I mentioned how people who run on the roads instead of a perfectly good path, like two feet away from them, always men. Do you know what? We recorded that on the Saturday. We went out on a Sunday and I saw a woman running on the road. Ruined my point straight a fucking way. I saw a woman running on the road today <sighs> as well. I know. I, I did see a man running on the road yesterday so it's sort of 50 50 at the moment it's sort of representative of the population you know yeah i saw another woman uh, doing it the other day and i saw a man doing it today and i was just like what is right he ran all the way around a roundabout and i had a little tiny glance over his shoulder i'm like fucking hell a roundabout <laughs> yeah like what this is the real pandemic as far as i'm concerned running on the road i don't get it it's bizarre Max Carnage has also been in touch on the subject of Bad Strava, which he says is surely worth a running his BS podcast episode in its own right. He said, I once had cause to complain Strava about a badly named slash executed segment. Highbury Fields in North London has several sections, notably one that has a perimeter of exactly one kilometre. This gives rise to the five lap part from there. Anyway, a loop there was described as Highbury Fields one mile lap. Oh my oh. god. Which was infuriating on a couple of levels, yeah. Obviously, on the face of things, it was just wrong. But it was wrong in a specifically irritating way. All the more so because if one adds in the upper section of Highbury Fields, just to the north, then there is indeed another loop, which does itself come to one mile. So there is actually a mile loop you can do, but that isn't it. I I emailed Strava support to explain my concerns, (laughs) and they were very understanding. (laughs) Do you think they were? (laughs) Do you think that was one of the ones where they turned around like, oh God, have you seen this email in the support box? Yeah, fucking hell. <laughs> that is you emailed Strava, I love it. <laughs> that must be annoying though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. It's, it's badly named 
um, Strava segments are, are bad. It's not just like the bad jokes or the offensive jokes and things. It's just the badly named ones and the ones that I support just haven't been cropped properly. Mm. So annoying. I've never gone as far as emailing Strava support, though I have been tempted to contact the person who made a segment to ask them to crop it, but I haven't done that yet. You'd think as well, like most of the people using Strava are quite regular runners and cyclists, that they'd know the difference between a mile and a kilometre. I don't know. I, I don't know whether so. Strava's becoming a bit more mainstream now. It used to be that Strava was quite, you know, from I don't want to say serious. That sounds awful, but for people who run more regularly and, and know the difference between a mile and a kilometre. Hey, we've got all these noobs coming in. Oh god, Strava noobs! It's come way too mainstream. I need to go to a different app. Maybe like go back to Map My Run or something. I <laughs> uh, see. I started on Endamundo. What the hell know? is Endamundo? <laughs> It's, well, it's just a similar kind of running app. Do you know the best feature on that by a long way, which I don't think anyone else does, which is amazing, is when someone you were friends with went on a run, it would come up on the app and you could see they were on a run. You could type a comment and that comment would be read out to that person, either through their phone speaker or interrupting their music on their headphones. And it was the funniest thing ever. Because someone I knew out for a run, I'd be like, fucking run, fucking run, you silly sack of shit. And it would read it out in this like robotic computer voice. It was so fun. That sounds like a pretty cool feature, actually. I would say, why don't Strava bring that in? But this is exactly why they would bring it in. It, years of trolling I've had to miss out on from ah. my switch to Strava. End of Mundo. I, I used my, my run and then I used Nike Plus. Do you remember that? That app. Uh, I know people use like the Apple, whatever the Apple one is, but... Yeah, God, I think Strava is becoming too mainstream now. I see a lot of people, a lot of uh, noobs and, and casuals on Strava. Yeah, it, it's kind of the only one, isn't it? It's the mm. only thing worth going for. Mm, definitely. There are, I think there are still people like new runners around things like Runkeeper. I always think oh, that's yeah. a bit newbie. Runkeeper. <laughs> that's a bit, that's definitely a noob app. <laughs> yeah, but it'll become like, if you're a hipster runner... Even if you're, you've been running a while, go back you, you'll go back to Runkeeper, old school, you know? Okay. Uh, well, if anyone's got any uh, other judgments they want to make about people who use different <laughs> apps, we definitely need to know them, especially if you're really pissy about it. Like <laughs> Amy, what have you been up to? Oh, so, it's been it's been a couple of weeks of ups and downs. So, I, I actually went on a long run yesterday, which is good. I went on a long run the week before, but I, I've been back on my long runs ready for the Vogum. So, it's been happening. Went down the Taft Trail, which is lovely. I had got planned to go between where I live and um, Glintaff near Pontypridd, which I thought would be about twelve miles. Turned out to be fifteen, so that was that was interesting. Did you, not, you didn't check? I checked. There's a there's a bloody thing. Well, you didn't, did you? I did. I did. Okay, for a start, there's signs up that say like, "Oh, Pontypridd, like twelve miles or whatever." Um, and also, there's this website where you can put in distances between places on the Taff Trail, and it will tell you. So I thought it was going to be twelve miles. Uh, it wasn't 12 miles, it was 15, like I said. And those final three miles were horrendous. I think it's something, if I'd have gone out to run 15 miles, those final three miles would have been fine. But because I went out to run 12, they were bloody awful. And I took a wrong turning. Like, I added a whole, well, yes, yeah, so it would have been 14 miles. I added a whole mile on because I started going towards bloody Caffilly. And I was running, I thought, this doesn't seem right. And I got out my maps on my phone. I'd taken like a right angle off the, off the trail. So I went back yeah. again. So, but other than that, it was a very nice run, and I did it, so that's the main thing. Amazing. That's lovely, well done, good for you. I'm actually training for an ultra. Actually training? And if long-time listeners will remember, the last time I did the Vogum, which is 40 miles, a 40-mile ultra, my longest training run was 14 miles, 
which when I look back on Strava, I did that about two months before the race, and that was my. <laughs> and you had a two-month taper. Yeah, yeah. So the fact that it's a month and a you're, bit. You're winning the race, already. I know. I know. <laughs> I do 15 miles. <laughs> what are you planning for the next few weeks? Uh, well, I, I'm ahead planning, of schedule. I'm at, you know what? I'm ahead of schedule. So yeah, I was supposed to do 12 this week, and then um, I'm building back up because I had a couple of weeks off. So like 12 this week, then 14, then 18, then 20. Um, and then 20 was going to be my longest. But I think now I could probably do 18 next week, then 20, then maybe like 25 or something. I don't know. Like go over Ooh. 20. Yeah, maybe a marathon. Um, and then I have a week to taper and then the race. So I can't wait to hear what the excuses are for that. <laughs> it will. Okay, that's going to spur me on more. It will happen. You know, okay. it, it's going to happen. The runs are going to happen. I'm on my mm-hmm. iron tablets. I'm feeling a lot better on my iron tablets. Oh, there we go. Yeah. There we go. Super Amy. I mean, a wild, if anyone's been on iron tablets, they'll know, but a wild poo might happen at some point in one of these runs because that's not, that's the thing about iron tablets. You're either yeah. not going or you're going, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I find it, it kind of, uh, the colour and consistency can be affected. Yeah. 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 That's exactly <laughs> colour. The two C's. How far do we want to go into this? Not, not any further. Just, okay. just so you know, like that's, that's where we're at with things. Uh, thankfully, okay. I'm only on like a month's worth of iron tablets, so I will be finished by the ultra because that would have been a worry on the day. Um, okay. I say I worry. Honestly, I'm not bothered. I don't worry about stuff like that. I, I always feel like, oh, what if I poo when I'm running? I don't care. I will go in a bush and I will poo. I don't care. Everybody poops. Yeah, it's so I've got to that stage where I don't give. Well, I do give it. I, I'm giving a shit. You know what I mean? But I don't care about where I, I where I do my shits. Anyway. <laughs> So that Any was... random dramatic stories for us that oh, to you? Because that's not course. common for you, is it? Oh, there we go. <laughs> of course there is. And as usual, it doesn't really involve running. I mean, it's a route I do run on, but I wasn't <laughs> running at the time, as most of my dramatic stories um, often involve. Uh, so last weekend, last Sunday, so I've been doing like a long walk. Sorry, sorry, a long hike on Sundays. So this hiking uh, route I went through past through this field, and we took the dogs with us. Um, and we were attacked by horses of all creatures. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that was interesting. So your fear of horses has been justified. Oh, then. you know what? I am terrified of horses. And uh, my partner used to work horses. She's worked horses for a long time. Um, she used to work with horses. And we were going across this field, and these horses were coming towards us, and our dogs. And they were obsessed with the dogs. So they were they were charging at us and stuff. And my partner's like, before we went through the field, she's like, just shout at them to make yourself really big and shout and they run off. At the point where she turns around and goes, let's go, we need to walk quickly, let's get out of this field, I knew that <laughs> shit was going to hit the fan. It was horrendous. Well, they were obsessed with the dog that she was walking, which was, which made, to make things worse, wasn't our dog, it was our neighbour's dog. So there was, I was walking Pippin, a friend of ours was walking Finley, and then uh, my partner was walking um, our neighbour's dog. And these horses came over and they were obsessed with this dog that Fro was walking. And they started circling her, like something out of a film, like running in circles around her and mm-hmm. trying to stomp on the dog. Freaking no word of a lie. It was, they were so aggressive. And like I said, she's worked for force. She was shouting them, shoving them, trying to shove them back. And then mm. they were massive. Um, but they, they were just running around in circles. And it was weird because our dogs are used to passing horses. So all of them were on the lead. They're walking at our heel not making any noise, they weren't barking, they weren't particularly interested in the horses because we walked through those fields quite a lot. But yeah, they were just obsessed with our neighbour's dog and we're trying to basically stomp on it and kill it. And in the end, Freya had to unclip the dog so she could run, so the dog could Mm -hmm. run, while Freya distracted the horses because, which is usually the best thing to do in those situations because obviously while you've got the dog on the lead, you're controlling its movements. 
mm -hmm. your dog can run a bit faster than you. Um, so once once Bear, our neighbour's dog, ran off, the horses then started charging at me. Cool. Yeah, which was great. So then I I, I was let out this like visceral scream at them because I <laughs> and then it became something like a war film. So I pip in. And then um, our neighbour who was walking, um, sorry, our friend who was walking, uh, Finley, was right behind me. So I was like, <laughs> she picked up Finley, who's like a massive lump, and started running across the field. And I was dragging Pippin along. And I came through um, into the next field first. And I was like shouting down this path. I was going, bring Finley, bring Finley, <laughs> like that. It was like, leave Freya, she's gone, she's gone. The horses have yes. her, just go, bring Finley. But, um, but we did escape, obviously, and no, thankfully, none of the dogs were harmed, but it could have been like a whole different story. It was awful. Yeah, it was nasty. It was horrific. And we, we were on a public right of way. We were on the footpath. Um, so it passed through some fields, all with styles and footpath signs. And we were on like a, you know, those like quite well-maintained footpaths. It was, we were yeah. obviously on the footpath. So, um, so yeah, if I, I have, it's being dealt with by the council. Which makes me sound like a 60-year-old woman, but it is being dealt with by the council. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's incredibly yeah. dangerous. Yeah, and the thing is, if our dogs had been off the lead, like going nuts and chasing them, or even, you know, they were going you know, nuts on the lead and barking them and make, making them feel threatened, I'd sort of understand, but our dogs weren't even interested in the horses, you know? So for them to be that aggressive, it was, I've never known that in my life. That's <laughs> So yeah, that's sympathising with you there. Yeah, it's a little cry from Finley. Um, so yeah, that's my. It, and it does relate to running because I used to love running that route, but I'm not going there again until it's dealt with because I'm not dealing with. Yeah. With uh, crazy horses, as the song goes, and now I know where that song comes from. A oh, well dramatic done. story of the week. <laughs> Harry Hill reference. Uh, Stuart, how has your week been? Um, well, my very exciting news, as you can see, Amy, and as the, our listeners can imagine, is I'm wearing a lovely baseball cap with our logo on it. Fantastic. You're a proper full kit wanker because you've got a t-shirt on as well. I'm wearing the t-shirt as well. I am repping the merch in my house to all those people. Uh, but I've just had like a couple of years of peeling skin off my head uh, during summer. Uh, it got to the point uh, a couple of years ago where as it peeled off my head, I could hear it because it was kind of crispy. Because <laughs> the head is a is a little bit baldy, uh, you might not be able to see all the way down there. Um, but yeah, so I thought I need to just buy a hat. I don't really like hats. I've never really been much of a hat wearer. But I thought, right, I'll get a nice logo one, and I can share that off all the time. So I look pretty cool, I think. Yeah, it does look pretty good. They're they're very nice hats, which can be very nice hats. through a link on our website. <laughs> they can. And actually, I was gonna, you know, once I got the cap, I was gonna put it on Twitter and Facebook and advertise it, let people know they can buy our merch. And then someone bought a t-shirt and a hoodie from us like the next day without me even saying anything. So that was a nice coincidence. So thank you, whoever that was in New York, who's done that. I do want to get one of those hats. I wear hats a lot, mainly to cover up the fact that I shaved all my hair off and I'm not letting it grow out. So I can go four genders, put it backwards. Yeah, yeah, that's it. The backwards cap going for the 12-year-old boy look. <laughs> and also, is it all those people that you're sprinting past, they'll be able to read the logo. Exactly. So it makes more sense for exactly. you. It goes faster. You go faster when it's backwards. It's more aerodynamic. you're pretty quick now. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, I put this on Facebook and Len Martin commented and he said, I was thoroughly miffed off last week when wifey thought she'd wash my running cap because it looks disgusting. Well, I've been building up that crusty salt for years. Oh. Now we're probably going to have to start buying salt from the shops like normal people. Oh, Len. Oh, you're having so many issues there. That's nasty. That's disgusting, Len. <laughs> I could do without that, to be honest, in my head. That's Ca 
caps can get pretty nasty and you can't really clean them can you because they've got like a cardboard or whatever that bit is i put my my running hats i put them in the washing machine okay just put them in the washing machine you know don't well every every couple of weeks i put my hat especially well even more so in the summer len put your hat in the bloody washing machine He's just using his own salt that to season his food. That reminds me, um, you know, Seal, the hat company, I'm sure it's pronounced Seal, you know, C-I-E-L. Um, they're a pretty big running cap company. Uh, I really okay. like their products, actually. So, Seal, if you're listening, you want to send me some. Um, but I remember they, they sent an email around about a year ago, I thought they mainly this, telling people to wash their hats. I'll have to try and do it. It was because <laughs> it was like, our hats, you can put them in the washing machine. Please wash them. I love when you get these kind of messages apropos of nothing. They're like, by the way, you should just wash things that you're going to wear, please, because it's gross. Yeah, it was like a PSA. I'm imagining all these people running in seal hats and then wearing them around and stuff, and they're absolutely honking. And it's like, probably not very good for their branding to have actually people wearing these stinky hats. So, like, yeah, you need to actually put your hats in the washing machine like you would your other running gear. (laughs) It's like fairly recently when they started putting TV adverts for washing tablets, and the advert was just make sure you lock them and keep them away from children. It wasn't like how good the product is and by the way, be careful. It was just an advert to say, make sure these aren't near children. Like, oh, there have been some incidents there. Yeah, I, I can't open the washing tablet. You know, this, the child safe ones, they've become yeah, well. so complex. I can't <laughs> open them. You have to, no, no word of a lie. It's like, um, what are they called? Like a Chinese finger trap, like a puzzle yeah. or something. <laughs> you have to like push both sides at the same time and then you can open it. I can't do it. I have to like tear the whole thing off with brute strength. Oh, terrifying insight into Amy's home life there. <laughs> anyway. Speaking of terrifying insights, let's go to our interview this week with Kate McKenzie from Harrier. It's someone that Amy contacted because she loved their stuff so much, so she thought we just had to speak to her. So our guest today is Kate McKenzie. Kate is the founder of Harrier, a brand for trail runners, which is based on essential kit, great quality and design for a fair price. Uh, So thanks so much for joining us today, Kate. I, for one, am super excited about talking to you because I was raving about your stuff last week. I think they thought that I must have received like a briefcase of money from you to be like, yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. But I was genuinely... I just, I just love your kit, you know, it's, so I'm really excited to be talking to you today. Oh, that's great. No, it's lovely to hear because so, a few other people mentioned it, actually, because I hadn't heard of the podcast before. And I had lots of people saying, oh, you've been mentioned. And then I, had, <laughs> and I thought, oh, this is great. So, yeah, brilliant. Uh, so before we talk about Harrier, I first just wanted to ask you about how you got into trail running and your sort of history with running and trail running. Um, I used to live in Nottingham City Centre. And um, I just used to run road laps just to kind of get fit. And I always had a lot of people, because it's Nottingham, you get a lot of people beeping at you, shouting abuse, you know, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) I got a little bit fed up of it. So then I thought, well, I'll try running at Sherwood Pines, which is like a little country park just outside of Nottingham. And that's kind of traily, but you get these little family routes, you know, that are blue routes and red routes and stuff. Mm And then I just enjoyed that. And then I kind of kept venturing out. So I never really knew what trail running was. I just knew that I didn't want to be running around Nottingham City Centre. (laughs) And that was it, really. Then the rest is history. So are you kind of exclusively trail runner now or or is that just a preference? Um, Yeah, I do prefer it. Um, 
I mean, I don't know, in lockdown, I've just had to do road running, basically, just for a little bit to keep me ticking over. I don't mind the odd road run. I mean, it's not terrible, is it? I'm not going to, you know, put my nose up at it or anything. Um, but I do prefer trails. It's just nicer, isn't it? Absolutely. So tell us a bit about Harrier then. So I saw on your website, which I'm surprised about, that it was only founded in early 2020. So it's fairly new to the scene. So could you tell us a bit about the inspiration behind starting the brand? Yeah, um, I've always wanted to be my own boss. So I've always had jobs in the past, you know, you kind of standard nine to fives. And um, but I always just wanted to work for myself. So I've always been scheming, you know, the past five, 10 years, like what can I possibly do to have my own company? Um, and then I looked more and more into online selling because that's quite a big thing at the moment. A lot of people going into that. And um, at the time, I was reading a book called Running Free by Richard Asquith, who wrote um, Feet in the Clouds. And one of um, his chapters was all about him going into a running store and the salesperson was trying to sell him all of this stuff. And they said, oh, if you know, he thought that if he came out of this shop buying all this stuff that he was told that he needed, he'd have to spend about two or three grand to run. <laughs> and I thought that's so true because there's so much stuff and it's so expensive. Um, and I'd not been trail running for that long, maybe a couple of years, but all of my stuff was secondhand. You know, I had a secondhand race vest, secondhand poles, all these sorts of things, secondhand shoes. Um, and I just thought, yeah, people can't afford it. And even though it looked like a really crowded marketplace, it actually wasn't. There was this mid kind of area. I always thought of it like Zara clothes, you know, where you get nice clothes from Zara, but they're not really expensive. And I thought, oh, I could do that for trail running. And then it just kind of took off from there. Because that was a big thing for me, because I've been looking for a new hydration pack that was like a best. And all the yeah. bests I was seeing online were so, even when they're discounted, like I go on the normal discount websites and you're still looking at at least £100 for a vest. I thought this is absolutely, and if you wanted one that had really good reviews, then sometimes you're going up to like 170 quid for a vest. So I, that's the was one of the things for me was it was so, so affordable but high quality kit. So is that so is that something in in terms of the manufacturing of the kit that you consider like how do you make sure the prices stay quite low or is it just your own sort of um, what's the word like profit margins and such? Yeah, well, I've learned a lot about profit margins in the past mm. year. <laughs> That's for sure, staring at spreadsheets uh, behind the scenes. But it didn't actually take much to to make something because on a race vest, if you've got a little bit of elastic, you know, that doesn't cost much on the manufacturing side, but it can make all the difference between if you're running an ultra and you've got a tiny bit of elastic that holds a straw out of your face that's so irritating, um, it's just that little functional stuff that you can kind of have the detail in that only you as a runner knows, um, you know, what makes the difference. And then you get rid of all the noise around it, all of the stuff that you don't need. Um, and you don't have to pay the fancy marketing ads and all those sorts of things. And because I'm direct customer, you don't have the middleman um, things. So you just kind of strip out all the stuff that you don't need. And then you're left with the stuff that does make a difference and that's just kind of what I did so that's the thing I wanted to ask there is like where do you even start designing a brand new piece of kit because we spoke to um the badass mother runners recently which is kind of uh, they do a lot of printing onto you know t-shirts and merchandise which is kind of one thing but this is kind of a step beyond that because you're creating a whole new piece of kit and 
where do you even begin with that? Was it, is, are they your designs? Yeah, well, the first ones, and I've still got pictures of the drawings that I did, and it's literally felt tip pens that I did. <laughs> I'm not, it looks like a child's drawing. And I drew out the Kerber, that was the first one that I did, literally just with a felt tip pen. Um, and then I found a supply a manufacturer who would make them for me. Um, and I sent them this awful drawing and, you know, an idea of what the function of it was. And it took about four rounds of samples to get it right. But when I'm doing it now, you know, a year down the line, when I've learned a lot, I work with a professional um, outdoor gear designer. So it gets translated now before it goes to the manufacturer and they do these um, high tech packs like these design packs for me which have got size charts they've got all these different components what they're making them of and all these sorts of things so it's like a blueprint for what you're doing so I give them all of the things that I want and they draw it for me professionally but at the start it was literally just felt tip and pens because <laughs> I imagine just even a, a fairly standard running vest must be made of lots of different materials you must have been thrown in pretty deep quickly to learn what they all are and what they do and what the difference between them, them all is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's so much. And um, when I first started, I had this um, a bit of a consultancy session with Claire Maxted, you know, who does wild ginger running uh, because Claire is like the queen of trail running. And she's probably got about 50 race vests from over the years that she's tested. And I went to her with my original designs and I said, look, can you help me fine tune these? And we went through all of the details, you know, on all of the pockets, all of the functions, mm -hmm. everything. And we spent half a day just literally going over every last little detail. And there was so much. And even she was saying, God, I forgot about that. I forgot about that. But there's, yeah, there is so much to it. But she helped me a lot at the start, you know, with different things as well. Yo, that sounds like a great half day to me. Yeah. <laughs> I really like the sound of that. <laughs> And you can really tell that it has been well thought through. And I know I keep sounding like an advert when I talk about it, but I love my vests. I think it's, I think it's that thing of like, there's so many pockets for everything. So I've got pockets yeah. for my hydration flask. I've got pockets for my phone. There's like a whistle that hangs off it. So I don't have to think about carrying a whistle and all those things. Whereas when I was looking online, a lot of the vests were just, okay, they have hydration pockets, but they don't have any other pockets or they don't have the hydration uh, pockets and they have yeah. other things. It's just, Whereas this sort of does everything in a way. Basically, I think you can tell it's been designed by trail runners, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there's still more. I, I can definitely refine them. I can definitely make them better. This is like the first year that we've been going. I mean, I would... I read a bit about um Patagonia starting and um you know the first time that they did clothing they had all sorts of weird things going on and they've obviously refined over many years but I wonder what the first Solomon vests look like or you mm. know those sorts of things I mean you've got to start somewhere haven't you so they've been well received but I'd love to see where we'd be in like five years with them and has it been difficult launching a brand during a pandemic or has it been easier because everyone's online online shopping <laughs> Um, it's been difficult for me because um, I've not been able to be with any groups with testing and things. So when I first launched, the thing that was the most difficult was that I had these samples through and I was trying to get a feel for how the fit of them, how people liked them. Um, but I couldn't see anybody because it was the first lockdown. And so I couldn't put them on people and, you know, touch them and feel them and see how they were fitting and everything. And so that was really difficult. And so all the feedback had to be by photos and things. Um, and I was running trail groups before as well. And 
then it just kind of went to nothing. So yeah, it was an opportunity because trail running online, both massive things during lockdown, but from a personal point of view, it did make it difficult with feedback. Yeah. And I guess it's still months yet before you can really get properly hands on with other people as well, isn't it? I know it still is. It still is a pain really, but you know, getting there, you just get on with it, don't you? Um, so we had a few um, questions from our listeners. We put this out to our people on Patreon and a few people have come back with us. First of all, Victoria Dick asks where the kit is manufactured. Um, it's in the Far East. So a lot of it is made in China. And um, I did actually contact a few UK companies Um but it's just for that kind of garment, it's very complex. And the thing is with the amount of fabric that goes into it, the different components, you know, all the um, the zips and the little clips and things, that's all manufactured in China originally anyway. So if you wanted to ship it all over to the UK, get it assembled in the UK, pay probably four times the price to have it, you know, done. You're probably not going to be able to find a manufacturer to work at the same scale as we work with now so you know i don't think there's any other brands that manufacture in the uk for these sort of race vests so we're pretty similar to any other outdoor brands that we're in the far east it's just where the capabilities are my supplies are good they're all third party checked and things so for us that's just how we do it at the moment next up Ivor hewitt asks about the possibility of reusable gel packets instead of single use wrappers is that something you've seen or thought about Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you can do that already. If you go onto Amazon, you can buy um, reusable baby food pouches for like a few quid. So just use those. They're great. A few chia seeds and some apple juice and there's your gel. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, I I hadn't thought about that until you mentioned it. But of course, yeah, it makes kind of sense to to use that if something reusable if you can. Yeah, they're called squooshies and they come in different animals. So you get like a little pig squooshy and you just, they're so good. Yeah, they're great. (laughs) Uh, We've also had a question from friend of the podcast, Liz Reese. She's got to be mentioned on every podcast or else we don't get any money from her. Uh, She says, as a chubby runner with substantial boobs, I found it really difficult to find a hydration pack that A, didn't look like I was wearing a second bra or B, cut into the chest area, leading to boobied squashing into all sorts of strange and uncomfortable shapes. And those were the ones that fit. The waistcoat style ones were a no-go. So opted in the end for a small hydration pack, which is comfortable, but gives me a cleavage I can rest my chin on if I do the chest strap up too tight. So I think Liz is basically talking about the difficulties there um if you're you know a larger runner i'm sure for both men and women with the race vest so is that something you've thought about yeah we did the um we did plus sizes so xl to triple xl um in the stanage 10 liter vest so it was quite difficult to extend the range at the start because i had the kerber five liter and i had the kinder 10 liter and then to add these plus sizes which is what people really wanted i had to kind of bring out a new vest to kind of add it on if you see what i mean so we did the standard 10 liter which is the black vest um, and that's been really well received it's good we've got it up to 3xl which goes up to a 50 inch chest size which and it's true to size as well so it gives people that option. Um, and I'll be honest, our vests are pretty good on women. I'd say they're probably women first. Um, so, you know, with the boob aspect, a plus size would be absolutely fine for her. It wouldn't be one of our episodes if we didn't end up talking about boobs at some point. 
Always talk yeah. about boobs, running bras. <laughs> 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 And we'll have more from Kate later on in the episode. I like in there how Kate mentioned a comparison to Zara and we just both kind of nodded knowingly. Like, "Mm, yes, yes, I understand that reference. (laughs) Yeah, never bought. I I kind of know Zara, but I don't know no Zara. (laughs) I've been taken to Zara's and I've uh, expressed very little interest. I I, I haven't even done that. I've just seen it from the outside. (laughs) Yeah, it's a shop. They sell clothes, as far as we know, if anyone else was curious. (laughs) And on to Patreon, and shout-outs to our Patreons, Rachel Bentley and Jay, who have both fallen over recently and cut their knees. Uh, you should have landed on your back like I do when I fall over, you know? <laughs> Easiest thing. Yeah, don't fall on your knees, that hurts. Just, just fall on your back somehow. Flip in mid-air. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to support this bullshit, please head to patreon.com forward slash running is bullshit and chuck us £2 a month or don't or whatever, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah. In thanks to our donors, I will continue and probably cap off the sports themes this time and head to the world of horse racing for this monstrosity. Hewitt, Moana, Bellum, Jonathan Carter, Victoria Dick, Chris Moore, Ian Hales, Brian Simpson, Matt Jones, Matt Newbury, Matt Kevin, Eline, Ruth Gibby, Liz Reese, Tim Hughes, Dick Ridge, Benny, Matt H. Lisa Goodman, Amanda Marihan, Hugh Phillips, David Owen, Carol Hamilton, Matt Garner, Captain Thomas Knight, Toby Hardy, Charlie Neverson, Anthony Harry, Rob Smith, Nick Jenner's Carl, Fleming Lynn, Martin Kerr, Chip, Simon Ross, Sonny Jake, Jay, Adam Atkinson, Goody Thelma, Stuart Stevens, Penny Simpson, Maria Wakes, Matt Leakes, Clark Moore, Julie Page, Andrew, Foster Swell, Sam Wally, Paul Nickovic, Richard Zackerton, Rich Skirm. And that was the hardest one of those I've had to do. It was so bloody fast. I could have probably spent more time making it better, but I didn't want to because it was too hard. On to our messages. And we've got a race report email from Lisa Gibbon, who actually did the Battle of the Brampton Valley Way, unlike Amy, who didn't. Um, She's let us know what it's all about. So Amy can pretend she was there. She says, hi, it was bullshit and fine at the same time, which actually I think is straight away is a great description of ultras. Yeah, definitely. They're bullshit and they're fine. It's it's not amazing. It's just fine. It was fine. I didn't die. I was okay. You know, I could kind of walk. So it was fine. (laughs) It's fine. Uh, She has listed the bullshit. Uh, It starts with locking ourselves out of the house, arriving one minute after we're supposed to be there, which wasn't an issue, but I did cry a bit due to the panic. (laughs) My husband and I attempting to start the run together as they send you off in pairs, but then my husband's GPS not connecting and me getting too close to the timing mat such that my chip triggered it. And therefore I just had to run off, leaving my husband as I didn't want to lose out on those precious seconds. Yes, I support that Leave him behind. Leave him behind. Sorry, I've started. I've got to go. You have to catch me. Um, She also says needing a wild wee along the way. Nothing wrong with that. At least it's not an iron poo. She said, listening to my friend's show on Radio X live during the run, in which he and the presenters joked about the ultra being too strong a word for a 28-mile run, stating it was more like a marathon and a little bit. That means it's an ultra, Radio X. Yeah, literally the definition of an ultra. Yeah, fine. Um, Being too knackered towards the end to go into my backpack to swap from hanky number two to hanky number three, and therefore not having the boost of a third fresh hanky. Oh, Lisa. Lisa, can I just say, before before the race, Lisa sent us a picture of her hair straightening said hanky. <laughs> yeah, that's true. What was what was that about, Lisa? Pa- you need part, nine. Part of Lisa's pre-race prep is to get some hair straighteners 
to like to flatten her hanky. What? Even I own an iron. But why would you do that anyway if you've thrown an iron? Why are you why are you straightening? You're gonna blow your nose on it. I mean and she didn't even use the third one. Oh well, that time straining it. It's like that's on par of like ironing your underpants. Like, what are you doing, that is, Lisa? That is a little strange. Uh, also, getting excited when I saw the finish line and doing a mad sprint for it, feeling like I was Usain Bolt, only to later see a photo of my sprint finish in which my feet were barely off the ground. <laughs> yeah, very common experience there as well. Uh, she came third in her age group. Hooray! Wow. Felt happy, then realised there were three people in my age group. <laughs> oh, Say, third place is third place. Yeah. Take it. Uh, she also had to walk 500 metres home, which took over 10 minutes. Oh. And Team Northampton won. Oh, Northampton scum. Northampton. Um, she finishes off, but it was a really well-organised race. The route was fun, and you could watch the other runners running the opposite way. Most importantly, I got a medal, a t-shirt, and some bragging rights for work on Monday. They don't care. <laughs> was it worth it? Yes. Was it bullshit? Also yes. Uh, and she will be marshalling if Amy runs it next year. Hopefully I will be. Thanks, I think that was a thank you very much yeah i think that was a good common experience of ultras there for anyone that still hasn't popped their ultra cherry that is a very uh, common experience of what you can expect it sounds like a good ultra to start with because i mean 28 miles is hardly an ultra is it who was not really one no no really. it's only a few miles over marathon and marathons are piss easy oh you know what i haven't looked at any of the post-race stuff because if i don't do a race i don't like to look at the post-race stuff because i get like massive fomo so yeah, I haven't really looked at much of it. But I am really looking forward to running it next year. I think the main reason is because I've run that route not all the way, but I've run a lot of that route before. Mm. It's such a nice route, so I'm super excited about that. So next year, yeah, iron some hankies. Oh, no, no, straighten, hair straighten some hankies for me, Lisa, if you want. Yeah, make sure, make sure you go for that third one. You don't want to waste yeah, it. I know, I know. You spend all that time straightening it. Oh, do you reckon that, do you reckon that hair straightener is just for hankies? <laughs> yeah, like it is the hanky straightener. Yeah. It's a hanky straightener. Bless. Uh, you know what? One thing I haven't missed about races, I know we talked about this uh, recently. Uh, races are back. Great. Race flat lays are back as well. Oh. Oh. I don't care. Yeah. I really don't I saw, care. Um, <laughs> I did see Harrier doing a competition like to <laughs> win a, a fuel and hydration bundle. I was like, oh, what's that? Show us your flat lay. No, okay. Mm. Never mind. <laughs> That's the only time I'd do a flat lay photo I was doing it for some sort of competition. I get that because it's kind of relevant because they sell gear. Yeah, like they sell like yeah. They sell kits specifically for doing ultras and stuff, so I get why that would be relevant. But I, I just don't want to do it. I don't want it's to do it. Me. I don't want to see it. Like Send it in for a competition, but don't post it on, Twitter, on Instagram because I don't want to see it. I'm not interested. Yeah. Yeah, oh, you know what? Especially if it's for like a 10K. But we flat lay. It's like shorts and t-shirt and some shoes, socks. That's it. Maybe a gel. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to see everything else. No, no. <laughs> uh, we did just have one other message this week, and that's Mark Atkinson, who's flagging on Twitter that the Great Manchester Run is 49 quid for a half marathon, and the 10k bargain at 42 pounds. What? What is happening? Two races. Yeah, yeah, that's awful. The thing is, they'll say all these excuses like, oh, well, city races, they have to be more because the council charges so much to close the roads. And then you see how many people are there and you think they're surely making a massive profit from this. This money isn't all going into like the, the event itself is in like closing the roads and stuff like that. Like the amount they must be making. Come on. Yeah. To yeah. remind that any run called the great run is not necessarily great. That's just the name they've given it and they've marketed it to make you think it's great. Great in price. Little, yeah. in, little in value. 
Oh, there were some races recently that, because I've been looking for races. So I do want to do something in the next few months if I can. I've been looking up some other races and I found another one. I think the 10K was about £35, which is still a, quite a lot. And they had different distances from 5K all the way out to Ultra on the same event. But then I looked at the details a bit more carefully. And I think on the half marathon, marathon and Ultra options, it wasn't closed roads and you had to cross busy roads. <laughs> So like you can't you cannot have a race where you cross a road. No. no. I mean on an ultra, okay, you do have to cross roads, I guess, because you're going a long but way. That's different. I mean, like yeah. yeah, in an ultra you're probably it's not gonna a race. walk. No, like in an ultra you're probably gonna walk a bit anyway. In a ten K race, you kinda of wanna not walk at all if you can help it. So why would you want to cross a blue road? Yeah, I think this is on the half marathon up, but even a half marathon can still be incredibly competitive. Oh, yeah, and yeah. to know your the difference in your time could be the fact you had to wait two minutes at the road and someone else didn't. That's not a race then. No. And just crossing a busy road during a race is such a bad idea. It's so dangerous. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I did not do that race and I, I won't be doing that one. So any other races anyone knows about vaguely in South Wales, West Country, maybe the Midlands, I would be quite interested to hear that, please. I feel like I should do something. Let's head back to Kate from Harrier to hear about the club support program and what are the two most bullshit things about running. So there's a couple of questions there about um, different bits of kit that people want. I mean, your range at the moment is fairly limited, as you've mentioned. Is there kind of more uh, to come? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, when you started out, it's all you know you kind of grow and you build yourself up because you make so much profit like you'll buy you'll invest in a range when I started I put about five thousand pounds in to be able to buy some stock say if you make a certain amount of margin on that um you know 20 30 40 percent then you can put that back in to grow so you're quite limited to what you're doing each time um so as I bring out more things I reinvest that money put a little bit aside um, and try to do something else so at the moment the next products that I'm looking forward to are the waterproof jackets and when the second um samples of those now they're quite a big investment because they're obviously like a quite a high ticket item compared to things like first aid kits and stuff you know that don't cost very much as soon as you start getting into things like um jackets that take a lot more development just costs a lot more but yeah definitely the waterproof jackets um and then a couple of other things that I haven't mentioned about yet, but I'll keep those up my sleeve for now because they're a little bit different. Of course, we forget you are a very young company, so we can't can't expect too much too soon, I guess. Yeah, unless somebody wants to um, give me an investment, so I'll have to go on Dragon's Den or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't right. imagine. I just can't imagine it. Can you like the dragons investing in trail running? It's like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. Is there something in perhaps like what's the most surprising thing you've learned about? how kit is made that you didn't expect mm, um i'm not sure again you've just been like no nah, it's been easy no, no, it, no it hasn't been it's been very difficult and i've made every mistake under the sun you know some things have just gone horrendously wrong behind the scenes i've had complete meltdowns um but i try to not make the same mistakes twice but there just seems to be plenty to make the first time um i guess it's um it's just everything that goes into it the fabrics the size charts the components like you must I mean the race vest you've probably got about 50 different elements within that and you have to get them all right because if you get one wrong then it just completely 
makes a thing you know people won't use it and then you've got a thousand of these things and what if nobody buys them <laughs> I mean you still can't you can't do anything with them so you have to be so careful with what you do you have to have a lot of attention to detail um, and it's all on your shoulders it's your money it's your investment so that is difficult I also saw that Harry has recently launched a club support program so can you tell us a bit about what that involves yeah that's really I'm really looking forward to that it's exciting and we've been going through all of the applications today because it was cut off today and um, I've been waiting a while to do it because of lockdown and to kind of get the timing right um, but we don't put any money into um, kind of professional athletes or fancy marketing programs or anything like that um, but I was really keen to support clubs that were really good groups um, that put a lot into say beginner programs and just that are quite supportive and help people with um with their trail running and so I thought well I'll do that instead you know I'll put some money in every month so people can apply to be on this club support program and every month they get a hundred pound voucher and um to spend on some kits so they can build up like a kit library or maybe their run leaders can have a treat and get something nice for leading all of these runs for people um and then they get discounts and things and just in return we get like a couple of facebook posts on their group page um just to say share different things that we're doing and that's it really so just try to keep it quite simple but just thought it'd be fun and then I get to see what everyone's doing as well with these club sessions because some of them are brilliant they're so good I like the simplicity of everything as well like everything from you know the, the process you've talked about to your club support program it's just like you don't have all the extra stuff that seems to be around running you know that that running's become this massive like commercial thing with all this extra stuff and and stuff you don't need like you say and that's reflecting your products it's reflecting your ethos and it's quite nice not have all those thrills that you don't need that's nice yeah I mean you can only be yourself you've got to like it's got to be your personality hasn't it and that's just what I've always thought so glad that comes across yeah I'm speaking of trail runs you said you were a trail run leader are you looking forward are you able now I can't even remember different rules in different places now are you able to lead any trail runs at the moment yeah I can I'm just horrendously unfit (laughs) oh that doesn't matter I'm I'm not one of those people that have gone into come out of lockdown like a complete machine doing FKPs and stuff like that I mean I've just been eating biscuits for the past eight months um so you know I yeah I would like to and I think I'll start doing some run jog groups as well you know for people coming back out of injury maybe people who don't know where to go after couch to 5k and because there's plenty of um group trail runs but they seem to be on the longer side you know 10 20 miles but there doesn't seem to be much for people who are just trying to get into trail running Mm. um so I think I'll have a go at that in the Derbyshire area okay I can give you my top tip for that I've been planning a few I've done a few around kind of 10k for our club and my tip is volunteer to be the tail runner (laughs) yeah that's always the best way I've done that for years now and got away with it and it's the best (laughs) way to be lazy if you're not kind of feeling it I'll be the tail runner don't worry I'll I'll have a nice little walk with the people at the back because you get a good chat and you get to take your time (laughs) definitely some of our 10ks have taken two hours and that's great I've been loving those (laughs) okay great I'll do that (laughs) all right so finally and we ask this to all our guests what is the most bullshit thing about running oh okay I had two things and I've been stewing about this so is it all right if I have two yeah of course which one to choose okay the first one is um 
horrible photos of feet when people have been doing ultras. Oh, I don't want to see the horrible wizened, like pruny feet or black toenails. It's just, oh God, it, it fills me with rage when that comes up on my Facebook feed. So. Oh, Stuart loves them. Stuart's always oh, sending them to me, hilarious. like of our list, from our listeners. It's like, oh. no, I don't look at those messages for a reason. I don't want to see them. <laughs> It's the wrinkly ones that are worse. I just hate them. Yeah. I'll probably get inundated with horrible feet messages now. But um, no, that's horrible. And then Unsolicited the other... feet. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one um, that I always have a good moan about to my friends when we're out running as well is um, people who put on Strava that it's an easy run when it's blatantly not an easy run. Yeah, oh, we, God, we've talked wine. about this in the last couple of weeks now. Or people, it's people that say they're doing an easy run when they're just running with someone else. I'll just let you know <laughs> this is just an easy run. That's why it was so slow. Yeah, basically, my friend's really slow. <laughs> I've got to run at their pace. <laughs> I don't normally run this slow. <laughs> I hate that. I have to take them off Strava because I can't look at it. So yeah, I've had a few people off Strava for for doing that. <laughs> That's good to hear. Uh, I did love the amount of. Uh, answers you got when you put this out on your instagram as well we'll run through those after this as well because there's a, some really good ones in there um do address your first point perhaps some harrier waterproof trail socks could uh, solve that problem oh yeah that's a good idea yeah because that that well, obviously it's a nice bit of merch from you but also it means you don't have to see those feet or pedicures <laughs> on the club support program yeah, yeah. there we go <laughs> part of the voucher yeah just don't send me a photo. Or if like if anyone on the club support program posts pictures of their feet, you would just withdraw their funding. So that's oh, it. Yeah, no more. Out. <laughs> I'd be like Deborah, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> um so Kate, where can people find your kit? That's the most important part of all this, because you are just direct to customers. So we can't find you on any of the big websites. No, no, definitely not. Just through me. So if you go to harrierrunfree.co.uk or just Google Harrier Trail Run In, and then we're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Okay. Oh, why Harrier, by the way? Oh, yeah, that's a good story, actually. Okay. Um, well, I was trying to think of a name for ages, and um, my mum has retired recently. And so to kill the boredom, she does quite a lot um, to do with uh, wildlife so she does a little bit of volunteer work and stuff with um for a uh, to do with like british wildlife and she's always talking about hen harriers and she, i think she fancies chris packham she's always going on about chris packham and the hen harriers and i thought oh, harry is a good name because it's to do with runners and also you know yeah. the uh fell running sort of areas as well so it just stuck after that so thank you I was quite disappointed it was the bird and not the dog because I have a harrier cross beagle who's just sat there. She's uh, crossed with a harrier hound. Oh, so lovely. I was like, I'd love, a, I'd love a little backpack with a picture of her on it. <laughs> oh, well, we have got some dog tube scarves, so I'll send you one of those. Oh, oh that would yeah. be amazing. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's so nicely in frame as well and the, the best behaved she's ever been. She's heard the word harrier and she's like, this is about me. <laughs> I'll behave myself. Oh. <laughs> well Kate thank you very much for joining us yeah thank you oh it's lovely to speak to you both thanks so much for having me on no problem no at, all. at all 
Thanks again to Kate and we said there we would run through the things that her Instagram followers said were the most bullshit thing about running. Uh, we like our followers very much, they're very wise clever people and we would like to steal them all. Um, they said, the way companies charge for your favourite trainers and then put £20 more on the price. Trying not to poo, run streaks, follow grabbers on Strava, kinesio tape, starting again after injury or when someone or when someone steals your QOM, bragging you run X distance and X time when a lapse time on Strava tells a different story, pausing your watch at road crossing, chafing, always chafing, gear, I love it, but it shouldn't be more important than the run, it's not good for your knees, any form of tracking, such as Strava or Carmen, that I have to have a job so I can't spend all day running, it's free, tell my bank account that, all these road runners doing complicated sessions, having to pretend you're not knackered when you see a fresher looking runner coming towards you, people who put PBs in their bios, joggy on the spot waiting to cross a road, over competitive people on park runs, stretching and socks that cost £20. Any of those jump out for you, Amy? All of them, yeah. I, I think that thing about fresher runners, you know, pretending like you, you're a bit fresher yourself when they go past. Because I've spoken about this many times in this podcast before, but it's always at the point where I, I'm knackered towards the end of a long run, I get people going like, carry on, well done, da da da. People not running as well. Always middle aged bloody men not running, saying like patronising me. And I want to be like, mate, I've just ran like 30 miles. Chill out. <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't, I don't want to. No, I don't need your encouragement, thank you, because I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that I'm just out on like a. A Sunday jolly for a couple of miles. I'm just really unfit. I promise you, I, I am really unfit. But also, I've got this in the bag. I don't need your help, thank you. It sounds really awful, but you people get it. Like, if, especially other women, if you've had the middle-aged bloke tell you, well done, keep going, you know what I'm talking about here. So also, I, I feel that sometimes around other runners, who, if a runner tells me, well done, and all that, I, I take that as a, you know, I get that. It's like community spirit or whatever. But I'm always very self-conscious. I always, like, want to... You know what these should make on watches? Like a little button you press, and it makes like a big like hologram of your distance, so people know how far you've run. So when I'm going past a runner and I'm looking knackered, I can just press it, and it'd be like 14 miles. <laughs> I quite like that thing of when you're if you're running with someone and you're getting to the end of a really long run, and you you obviously look like complete shit. If you just talk a little bit more about how far you've just run. I have done that before. I've been running past traffic. I've been with someone like, how much have we done now? 16 miles, is it? Yeah, Ooh, only a couple left then. Just to let people know when they come past just how good you are. Yeah, I do find having like a hydration pack on as well helps because people are like, oh, she must be going really bloody far if she's got that she, on. She must have done. Think, yeah, but non-runners have no idea, do they? So they, they're thinking, oh, she must have done like 20 miles or something. Yeah. <laughs> and all of those things, I think our followers said, we've pretty much covered. So I like those people they all know the school another thing kind of a little bit what you said there even on a park run sometimes you'll get to like 400 meters from the end and there'll be a marshal there going come on then come on big sprint finish no i'm all right thanks no. and like sometimes i feel a bit bad because i'm like i mm, just no i don't really want to today thanks no. and then you see they look a little bit disappointed and i'm like, mm, sorry it's those same people that are at races and they're like last bit last bit when you've still got like three miles to go during a half marathon <laughs> and you're like I don't want to hit or just a park run to go. Last bit, one more mile, and all that. It's like it's not encouraging. A mile seems like a lot when yeah, you. It's not helpful. I'm not increasing my pace. No, no. The bullshit running news. Short one there. Very dramatic. Uh, we haven't heard this in a while, but they are back. <laughs> 
The ultra runners are on the loose. Ultra runners, the running laps around your house. Ultra runners, the ultra runners are everywhere. They run for days and days and days and they don't care. Kim Collison has broken the record for the Paddy Buckley round in a time of 16 hours and 20 minutes. Now that one is 47 peaks in Snowdonia, 60 miles and 8,700 metres of elevation. Gross. All I can think of when I read this was that's one of those peaks is probably that bloody one I got lost at. And that took me like five hours. <laughs> Going up there and getting lost and finding my way back to the Airbnb took five hours. So I'm always impressed with this sort of thing. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and speaking of which, uh, there is a great documentary on Amazon Prime about the Paddy Buckley round by Hugh Jack Brassington, who's popped up in the Dragon's Back Race videos as well. It's called 47 Copper or 47 Summits. And I didn't actually realise it's all in Welsh. So make sure you stick on your subtitles before you start it because there's nothing on there to tell you it's in Welsh. But it's really, really good. Uh, we would love to hear from him on that because he does the most amazing face plant that I have ever seen. And it's just definitely, if you like your running documentaries, you will love 47 Copper or Copa. I don't really know. And now on to some terrifying news that will haunt your nightmares. So you know how the Peloton treadmills are ludicrously expensive and just really a status symbol? Well, now they will also kill your children. So the US Consumer Product Safety Commission has had reports of 39 incidents, including one death, due to this $4,000 treadmill. And they've even posted a video on YouTube of one of these incidents. Now, can I just say, I watched this video while I was prepping for the podcast about an hour ago, and it's like ingrained into my head. I think all I'll see when I close my eyes is that little boy, he's got like a ball, hasn't he, in the video, and he's got it against yeah. the treadmill, and he gets sucked underneath, and his face goes against the, um, what's it called, like the track, whatever it's called. Just the end of the... Uh, yeah, the, the end the, of the, the treadmill. Which yeah. I was thinking, you can't see that well because it's obviously one of those like nanny cam type things they were yeah. filming on. But I thought he's going to suffocate. And that was the first bit. He manages to free himself a bit and then he gets sucked under the treadmill. And it's the most terrifying video. I, it's like yeah. nightmare inducing. I, it's awful. I kind of can't believe they posted the video, but I guess in a way they have to to show people what the potential yeah. problem is and what the yeah. potential danger is peloton have said that um they shouldn't be used by children they shouldn't be left unsupervised and also you should have like a thing on it when if you're off it you shouldn't be able to it shouldn't be able to be turned on mm. like treadmills should have those like you have like a cord on it can't you around mm. your waist or wrist or something like that when if you were to fall off it would stop yeah so I, they should have something safety kind of key on that to stop this happening but think, yeah, yeah this is pretty scary i think the issue as well is that for some reason the um what is it called like the belt it's called the belt it's, yeah. it's so thick that when this boy got his face up against it, his whole face was against it and yeah. i think that's partly what's always dragging him underneath because a lot of them are quite a lot of the other types of treadmills you get are quite thin can i just say in the video the boy got up and walked away he he's not one of the children that died. yeah we should say yeah it's not it's not a, a horrendous terrible video this is just yeah. a bit scary it's and yeah i'm scary. sorry if we've kind of i'm sorry if we've seen like we've made light of it a bit but no. it's it's a four thousand dollar treadmill yeah. and it's dangerous yeah the video is awful because you could tell how somebody could a child could be seriously injured or killed i mean luckily this boy seems to stand up and walk away so he seems quite lucky in that respect but it's just absolutely terrifying awful awful yeah i don't quite see why it's particularly pe peloton treadmills that this happens to because i think 
I think that if there are, aren't they all the same, basically? I think I'm not quite sure why this belt. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure why this one is particularly worse than the others. But it just, again, just shows that treadmills are bullshit. Yeah. Uh, we've got another ridiculous mile record. And this time, it's the women's mile in a bomb suit. Captain Caitlin Hernandez ran in the 96 pound, which is 43 kilos. Uh, she ran in that suit in 10 minutes and 23 seconds. Wow. That is nasty. Yeah. But I, I assume quite relevant training. <laughs> you may be in a yeah, bomb probably suit very and, and need to run away very fast. <laughs> yeah, if you ever see someone in a bomb suit running that fast, you know you need to try and run even faster. Yeah, definitely. You're in trouble. <laughs> and we are in the middle of Ramadan at the moment, and a survey from Czech's Notes Sports Direct says that a quarter of young Muslims train less during the holy month and 80% said they were concerned about exercising safely. I was really surprised by this because only a quarter train less. Yeah, you think more because you can't even, um, unless you have a sort of medical condition or whatever, you're not supposed to even drink water, which um, I, I knew like about Ramadan, about fasting, but I didn't know the extent of it. I didn't know you weren't supposed to drink water as well until a few years ago. So yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Just to catch water—that's that's bad, yeah. Just to kind of catch some people up who perhaps aren't fully aware. Um, if you're observing Ramadan, uh, you don't drink or eat during daylight hours for 30 days, and as they're on a different calendar, this 30 days moves every year. So now we're into late spring. We're into what has been described to me before as big boy Ramadan, because nighttime is only about six hours or something at the moment. So it's really hard work. Um, in response, Sports Direct apparently is working with marathoner Haroon Mota and Azra, which is a community for Muslim women in sport, to provide information and tips on how to adapt training in a campaign called Fast and Slow, which is very good. I like that a lot. I think I'd have to, like, if I was observing that, I'd have to do my runs, like, thing is, it, I'm not sure when you'd sleep, though, but I'd have to do my runs, like, really early in the morning. Like, have my food still while it's dark and then go for a run as soon as it was sunrise sort of thing. I don't know how yeah, I saw, do it. I saw one of the videos from Haroon there, and he says what he's doing is going for a run, basically in timing to finish at sunset. So as soon as he gets in, he can drink straight away at the end of the run. And also, like, taking naps in the afternoon and things. And this is one of these things I'm quite interested in, because um, I've done kind of work on equalities and religion stuff before, and I always find this quite, quite interesting. And I'd love to know a bit more about this. I'm very certain that no one observing Ramadan is going to come on a podcast called Running is Bullshit during Ramadan, because it's also about kind of um, being polite and honest and pure of thought as well. So I don't think anyone's going to come on. Perhaps something in the future we might be able to find a little bit more about. And a story I think I may have told here already, but it is relevant to Ramadan and running. Uh, a few years ago, um, I managed to get a free space for a relay team into a local race and for some local asylum seekers uh, from Somalia. And it was a week after Ramadan, so I was pretty sure it'd be fine. Um, but as they came along, they did the race. It was a really hot evening in July. and They ran incredibly well. And as I got to the end, I was offering the water. We had like, because it's our club, we have a massive table of food. It's just like obscene. And we're offering them like food and drink. And they're like, no, 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 fine. I'm like, are you sure you don't want water? No, no, we're fasting. It's like, what? Oh, no, no, we're still fasting. It's like, but Ramadan was last week. And they kind of basically explained how there's like an extra bit of Ramadan you can do if you want for like another week. So like for extra credit, I guess, with the big man. And so I didn't realize. And so I would have been like really encouraging them like, yeah, come along and run this race. It's great fun. You run really fast. It'll be great. And oh God, they were still fasting. And like sunset wasn't for about another three hours after that race. And I just felt terrible then 
But I just had no idea that was a thing. No, I didn't either. Like, bonus, bonus Ramadan. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, good for them for coming and running during, you know, they did incredible times, but on no food and drink. Oh, that's hard work. Yeah, I think, I I feel like I'm going to faint when I get up and don't have breakfast. At 7am, I feel like a bit dizzy, you know? So, I yeah, yeah I don't, yeah, I, I'm, I'm amazed at people who can still be fasting and training at the same time. Yeah, I mean, back of the story, only 25% of people reduce their training, which I, I find fascinating. Mm. I suppose, though, if you've been doing it for a long time and your body adjusts a bit and yeah, you, you're used you know to stuff, it, yeah. And, yeah, I guess, but still, that's still amazing. <laughs> so, Stuart, what is coming up next for you? Amy, club running is back. Hooray! 30 people in Wales can meet up in an organised way outdoors. Uh, Lots of our restrictions are being lifted a bit early, which is brilliant. I will be leading a trail run uh, next week, and hopefully people will remember why they hate me, because I've got some really nasty hills in there for them for a nice, fun, friendly trail run. And I'm also planning another stupid event in uh, a few weeks' time as well, a VK event. No, not the drinks you had at uni, a vertical kilometre. Though I have already said, if anyone completes the vertical kilometre, I will buy them a VK. That sounds... a vertical kilometre? 1,000 miles of elevation in one run. No. Wait, did I say miles? 1,000 metres of elevation in one run. Uh, we found a good hill to do it on. We're going to do reps of the hill until people do 1,000 metres or they collapse. Reps? Sounds fun. No. That's Are you going to come along? No, of course I'm bloody not going to come along. <laughs> no. <laughs> not, we have had the idea, though, of making it a bit more accessible so people could do maybe half of it the day before and then come along on the Sunday and finish it off with everyone else so we can all kind of do it together. So you can do a VK over a weekend, which is still really hard, but then we're just going to drink shit Alcopops for the rest of the day. Nice. That's a plan. Come on. Mm, yeah, all of that sounds horrific. <laughs> How about you? Oh, you said a little bit more about your training. You're going to up your training because you're a big deal now. Yeah, I'm going to up my training. You know what? I, I might even do a recovery run this evening. That That's the thing Ooh. I do. I got told off by Dave. Well, I didn't get told off, but Dave Sinclair was, was all for the recovery run. And he sent me a really long... You know when I was talking a few weeks ago about recovery <laughs> yeah. runs and how I don't see the point of them and... No, this he sent me like a really long message on Facebook about recovery runs. I was like, okay. So, uh, so I've been educated about on recovery runs. Um, uh-huh. I might even do that. You know, I'm, I'm becoming a proper big deal now. So that's the thing. I've signed up to do a, a club run as well. So I'm you going have? Back yeah, oh. only because it's across the road from me. So. Okay, not not the trail run with me, I notice. No, no, I'm not doing, the, not doing that bloody trail run. No, definitely not. Uh, gyms are opening soon, so I'll be going back to the gym. So hopefully, the thing is, because when I'm not at the gym, I don't do any cross-training. So, and I can feel niggles coming on, so I need to get back at the gym in order to not have a horrific injury before the ultra, basically. Uh, but like Stuart said, the the dates when gyms are opening have been pushed forward or backwards, whatever it's forwards, isn't it, when it's sooner? Forwards. Yeah, forwards. Um, so it's only a week or so until the gyms open. Mm-hmm. I understand yeah. it's already opened in England, so I'm looking forward to that. Things being pushed forward, nothing to do with an election in Wales at all, just a coincidence that that's happening. Possibly, yes. Yeah. I couldn't possibly comment. No, no, who knows? But, um, but yeah, so I'm looking forward to going to the gym again. Uh, but yeah, that's it, that's it. I'm, I'm a, like, an elite athlete now. I need to get my long runs in, get my training in, get to the gym, do my cross training, and then. In I'll... the last four weeks before the. Don't you say it. I have been running beforehand. Check my Strava. I have been running in the time leading you're, up to this point. To be fair, yeah, you're putting in some decent mileage. To be fair, I think you're actually on more than me in the last two weeks, which Thank you upsets very me. Much. Yeah. Thank you. So, 
just carry on being a boss. The iron tablet's working. I'll be unstoppable. <laughs> Amy's plan, carry on being a boss. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I like it. Well, if you've enjoyed this bullshit, please visit runningisbs.com to see the show notes and the links from this episode and the whole back catalogue, as well as links to our Patreon, merch store, where you can buy a cool hat and our social medias. Bye! Len, put your hat in the bloody washing machine.